Today on The Exam Room. What are your five fantastic foods for lowering A1C? What's number one on the list, Steph? So I had a lot of fun with this, Chuck. And (laughs) it, it turns out that all my favorite foods start with the letter B. The first one is going to be black beans or just beans in general. Beans are an extremely healthy food. They're full of protein. They're full of fiber, all that soluble fiber, which actually helps build a healthy gut microbiome, which also in turn can affect your blood glucose levels and your insulin sensitivity. The reason I said black beans is there's actually some studies that show that anthocyanins, which black beans, since they're of the dark color, they're very high in anthocyanins. Anthocyanins have been shown to be really good for regulating your blood glucose levels as well. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks for joining us as we raise health IQs coast to coast and around the world in great cities like Hollywood, Florida, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 13 of season seven, number 512 overall. Is your blood sugar out of control? Well, today we are going to give you five foods that might help and five others that you're going to want to avoid because they can KO your A1C to kingdom come. Indeed, today is all about lowering your blood sugar. And our guest today has been, in her words, knee deep in diabetes research. She sent me a message and she said, hey, What if we talked about the key foods for reducing A1C numbers? And I said, hey, that is an A-plus idea. So here is what we are going to do. We are going to give you five foods to eat. These are going to be the keys to lowering A1C and then five others to leave off the plate. So what are the ones that will really get your sugar all out of whack? Well, registered dietitian, Navy veteran, wife, mother, and all-around good human being, Steph McBurnett is the holder of our Keys to the Healthy City today. She will be here and will also be answering questions from the exam roomies who joined us live on YouTube. And you can do that as well every Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, your best chance to ask our experts your questions. And speaking of live shows, the Power Foods Revolution, the granddaddy of our Our live shows is coming to the heartbeat of democracy. And of course, that is brought to you right here by the Exam Room podcast. We are going to be holding this revolution in Washington, D.C., March 26th. And you can join me, Dr. Neil Barnard, along with Chef Dustin Harder, the incredible weight loss success that is Stephanie Ignafo from Plantspiration. All of us will be at the National Press Club just a stone's throw away from the White House. All of us are getting together with the exam roomies to celebrate the release of Dr. Barnard's new book, The Power Foods Diet. And everyone who has a ticket gets a copy of the book. And tickets are on sale now at pcrm.org events, or just click the link that is in the episode notes to lock in your seat today. This is going to be an epic night with a lot of learning and inspiration and laughs, and of course, the breakthrough plan you have been waiting for to trap, to tame, and to burn calories for easy and permanent 
weight loss. So pcrm.org events or click the link in the episode notes to get your tickets today. And now let's get on with the show and A plus education on improving your A1C with dietitian Steph McBurnett on the exam room live. Thanks for being here, Steph. Oh my gosh, the pleasure is all mine, Chuck. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. I know that you have a lot on your plate, so I don't want to waste anybody's time. Let's get right into it. Um, But before we get into the five foods, I want to ask what the difference is between the A1C number and what the uh, difference is between that and the regular blood glucose number that somebody would get with a finger prick right after they eat. Exactly. So the hemoglobin A1C is uh, essentially an average of your blood glucose levels for three months. So it really gives doctors and dietitians a not just a single snapshot of like, what did you eat this morning and how did it affect you? Really how you've been eating in the last three months. So um, it, it rises and falls rather slowly. It takes a while, um, but yeah, it's going to give you give your doctor a good idea of of what you're eating and how and how your blood glucose is is trending over time. And as most of us know, but maybe not everyone, high blood glucose levels can really damage a lot of our organs. You know, it can damage your kidney, your eyesight, your nerves, your heart. So we really want to keep our blood glucose levels pretty steady within the normal range. All right, then, Rumi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, there's there's so much to it. So I would think that there's a great value in seeing that three month, uh, the 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 number after three months, as opposed to just you know minute to minute kind of day to day thing. It kind of gives you a better overall gauge of where the person's at. Um, so let's get into this. I think that this is why a lot of people have been tuning in right now. Uh, five foods for lowering A1C. When you make your lists of five, they're always fantastic. Fantastic. So what are your five fantastic foods for lowering A1C? What's number one on the list, Steph? Well, so I had a lot of fun with this, Chuck. And (laughs) it turns out that all my favorite foods start with the letter B. So this is going to be the the B's, um, the five foods, um, all my, you know, my B's and stuff like that. But the first one is going to be black beans or just beans in general. Beans are an extremely healthy food. They're full of protein, they're full of fiber, all that soluble fiber, which actually helps uh, build a healthy gut microbiome, which also in turn can affect your blood glucose levels and your insulin sensitivity. Beans are a great substitution for higher fat foods like animal products or, or meat or processed meats, substituting just a small amount of plant protein or beans for for animal protein can lower your blood glucose levels as well because they're so low in saturated fat. And then another, the reason I said black beans is there's actually some studies that show that anthocyanins, which black beans, since they're of the dark color, they're very high in anthocyanins. Anthocyanins have been shown to be really good for blood, for regulating your blood glucose levels as well. So number one on my list, you have to go with beans. And I love black beans, so they were number one. And um, actually, studies show that people who, diabetics who have beans in the evening for their evening meal, they actually have better glucose levels the next day. So beans are not just good for the few hours after you eat them. 
it's for 24 hours, you're going to have better um, glucose regulation. So I had to put beans as number one. And I have to ask you this, though. A lot of this, I'm sure, also depends on how the beans are prepared. If they're prepared with ham hock, fat back, lard, things like that, I can't imagine that the person's going to see nearly as good of a benefit as it would be if these were just traditional, kind of just spiced up nicely, but low-fat beans. Exactly. So the root cause of diabetes is actually insulin resistance. And we've found that over uh, uh, epidemiological studies and clinical trials that it's actually an accumulation of fat in our muscle and liver cells that's kind of gumming up the works and not letting insulin work the way it's supposed to work. So keeping um, looking for low fat foods, keeping your overall fat low in your diet is what's actually going to create, uh, you're going to become insulin sensitive and you're going to be able to bring down your blood glucose levels fast and furious or, you know, just like a, a typical healthy adult would. So um, you don't want to cook your beans with ham hock because that kind of negates the, you know, some of the health benefits that beans are low in fat, high in fiber. And if you're just adding fat in other ways, you're kind of um, messy with your long-term health there. You're, you're going to be almost increasing your insulin resistance. Lower the A1C fast and furious. I'm going to call you Steph Diesel after that. That's pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, what's number two on the list? We've got black beans. What's next? Number two is blueberries. Um, another B. And this one, you know, if you are, if you've been a diabetic for a long time, they, back in the day, they were told to avoid carbs, right? And avoid fruit. But studies are showing that fruit is actually great for, for diabetics. Even the American Diabetes Association and other diabetes organizations recommend not avoiding fruit. And blueberries and berries in general are actually low on the glycemic index, which means they don't spike your glucose high at all. They have tons of fiber, tons of phytonutrients. And there even was a study where they took uh, uh, individuals with type 2 diabetes. Half of the participants were given the equivalent of one cup of blueberries a day, and the other half were given um, a placebo. And they found that just after eight weeks that they were able to lower, and they didn't make any other diet changes, right? They didn't tell them to do anything else, no other diet changes, that the group that had the blueberries every day, they were able to lower their hemoglobin A1C, lower their triglycerides, lower their liver enzyme. And that was just after eight weeks. So, you know, berries have tons of health benefits to them. And again, I'm going to go back to anthocyanins. These researchers actually pinged anthocyanins as one of the factors why blueberries, you know, were so beneficial for lowering A1C. Um, and so... Blueberries are very high in anthocyanins, so they make it as number two on my list. I hear so many good things about blueberries for so many reasons, and so I'm almost not surprised in the least whatsoever that we have ourselves blueberries on this list as well. I mean, it's just, it's good and good for you, as my dad used to say growing up. So I'm glad that this makes the list. A lot of people are probably wondering whether you get the same type of benefit from frozen as you would fresh, though, Steph. What do we know there? Well, actually, frozen, uh, the, the blueberries are frozen at peak freshness, at peak ripeness. So you're actually freezing it in time. 
And so you might even get more benefits from frozen blueberries versus ones that have been sitting on the shelf for a week or two. So there is really, um, I would say, no difference between frozen. I use frozen berries in my um, overnight oats every every night and then eat them every morning. So um, they're just as good frozen as fresh. All right. We've got blueberries. We've got black beans. That brings us to number three on the list. What you got cooking up for us here? Number three probably won't surprise you. And you've heard it met by many dietitians and doctors on this podcast. It's going to be broccoli. Ah. So, I mean, broccoli is a cruciferous vegetable. It's rich in vitamins, fiber, phytonutrients, and it helps with, um, you know, help fight multiple diseases. But one of those is type 2 diabetes. It helps lower your blood sugar levels. Broccoli also has like this unique property of sulforaphane, which stimulates the production of an enzyme that protects blood vessels. So as you've been, you know, you've been living with high blood glucose levels, which has been damaging your organs, actually sulforaphane is going to go in and kind of repair some of that those blood vessels. Um, also, broccoli has a compound called chromium, which interacts with insulin maintenance and is really good for optimal blood sugar levels as well. So, you know, broccoli has so many benefits, but it definitely has a benefit to uh, diabetes in particular. Um, they're high in flavonoids, which is an antioxidant, is another antioxidant, um, which is anti-inflammatory, which also helps with, you know, reducing that stress that goes on your body when you do have an elevated A1C. All right. Three cheers for broccoli. And uh, I love the fact that broccoli is also a vitamin C powerhouse. That never, you know, ceases to amaze me, the fact that you can get vitamin C from broccoli the same way that you would an orange, which is what people turn to initially. But you know what? I think that, you know, go for the greens, people. Get your yes. broccoli on. And, you know, broccoli and black beans, they go together quite nicely, I should say. I really Make a little rights. bowl. You got yes, all the different components and have blueberries for dessert. I like it. But you know what? There's room on the plate for two more. So what else do you have? So the next one on my list that we can add to our bowl is actually going to be barley. So barley is actually a type of whole grain. It is kind of like a rice, um, but it actually has more fiber than rice. So it has a slower digestion and brown rice and rice um, are, you know, they might spike your glucose a little bit more. Barley is really dense with fiber. So it's going to keep that glucose, uh, glucose rise very gentle on your, on your body. Um, but it's also rich in vitamins and minerals. Um, it, it has, again, I mentioned fiber, but it has fiber. It has manganese and selenium. It has good amounts of copper, B1, chromium, which I mentioned it has the same component that broccoli has, which is chromium, which is really great for blood glucose levels and phosphorus and mag uh, magnesium and niacin. So barley, just like whole grains, we actually see in studies that whole grains have been beneficial for diabetics. Everyone, you know, everyone thinks diabetics, they should avoid carbs, but actually the studies are showing that whole grains, high fiber foods are actually beneficial for for um, people with diabetes and actually can help improve A1Cs and their gl blood glucose levels. 
All right. Now, I have to ask this question just from the guy standpoint, because Super Bowl time is upon us. A lot of people are tuning into the TV and they want to have a cold beverage with that. Not necessarily saying it's the exam roomies who are joining us here, but I know that a lot of us, if we take this conversation to our significant others who might enjoy that frosty beverage, will say, you know, there's barley and beer. So is somebody able to get that same benefit from drinking beer? Let's just settle that debate right now, Steph. Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> Even though, yes, you are correct that barley is what's used in making a lot of different types of beer. They're not, you know, you're not eating those whole intact grains. You're kind of just drinking the residue <laughs> of it. So you're not getting the fiber. You're you're really not getting any of the other nutrients that are that that come from eating whole intact barley. So I hate to disappoint. But no, beer is not on my list of five foods for reducing your A1C. Good to know. Good to know. Just had to ask. Had to ask. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> and that brings us to number five, the fifth B on your best for A1C list. So number five is going to be bell peppers. You had mentioned vitamin C earlier um, with but bell peppers are actually, they have twice the amount of vitamin C as citrus fruits. And so, and vitamin C does so much in your body. It helps with immunity. It helps with skin health and it helps with blood glucose regulation. And these bell peppers are not only low on the glycemic index, so they're, they're not going to spike your blood glucose levels, but they have that special compound that I was talking about earlier. Anthocyanins um, are actually found in bell peppers and they can you know, they they actually are very beneficial for blood glucose levels. I mean, and also bell peppers are delicious. They're a great add to any meal. They're a great snack. They have phytochemicals and antioxidants. And so they actually help repair any damage that has been done um, from having uh, chronic high blood glucose levels or blood sugar levels. You know, what we have here is a really healthy plate that we've built, the black beans, the blueberries, the broccoli, the barley, the bell peppers there. Um, and again, so when I think bell pepper, you know, for whatever reason, I go to green. Uh, a lot of the same benefits can be found in red, orange, yellow, et cetera. Yes, actually, the different colors, they do have a little bit different of components. So the red is going to be, the red and orange are going to be very high in vitamin C. I mean, all of them are going to be high in vitamin C, but they have a little bit more. Then you have the orange, which is going to be higher in vitamin A, kind of the orange coloring is going to have those beta carotene, a little more of the beta carotenes, um, which is, you know, comes from that orange color, but green are just as healthy as well. And the dark kind of purple ones will have even higher amounts of those anthocyanins I was talking about. So all the colors, they all get a thumbs up from me. I find like whatever bell pepper color is your favorite, that's the one I want you to eat. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like if you feel good, like especially February starts tomorrow, you know, red bell peppers, the month of love. If you want to go red, go red here. If you want to go green, you can go green, whatever you want. There's really not a bad choice here. So again, let's recap. You've got black beans, blueberries, broccoli, barley, and bell peppers. 
absolutely phenomenally delicious, all going to help you lower your A1C. Um, so that, again, the A1C is over the three-month duration. What would somebody who eats this type of plate, what, though, could they expect to see in terms of their immediate blood glucose levels? Would we see that spike with it the same way that they would if they were to go to, say, a fast food restaurant? Would these numbers be a little bit lower? What, what could somebody expect here? Yeah, so all the foods on my 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 five list are going to be whole foods. So they're really not going to, it's the natural process of digesting carbohydrates is for your body to break them down into glucose or sugar, put that into your blood, and then shuttle it to your muscles and liver. So that is the natural digestive process of carbohydrates. So yes, you will get a slight rise in your blood glucose, and that is normal, and that is healthy. But these are whole foods that have tons of fiber. They're not going to be spiking your blood glucose levels out of out of control. Um, they're going to be keeping them right in you know the healthy range under you know under under two hundred milligrams per deciliter. If we wanted to get into the nitty gritty, um, and then after two hours, your blood glucose you know for a healthy adult will should be below about one forty milligrams per deciliter. And we can go through all that if you want, Chuck. Um, but those are kind of like the the numbers can get a little bit confusing. Yeah, I, I got you. Let's save that for another show because we still have a lot to get through here today. I want to take a couple of questions really quickly from the dietitian's mailbag and the exam roomies who are watching live right now on YouTube and on Facebook. Let's start with Karen Price sent this in at 11.58, an early bird to the show today. Uh, Karen writes, judging from the title, does this mean that these five foods will also be good for one's triglyceride numbers? That's exactly right. We see that foods that are good for diet, you know, your blood glucose are also going to be really healthy and good for your cholesterol levels, your triglyceride levels, and um, your lipids in general. So um, that's the good thing about kind of whole food plant-based is it's not just good for one disease or one kind of health issue. It really runs the gamut from brain to skin to teeth to heart. So yes, I would say these this five you can definitely uh, implement in your in your life for triglycerides as well. All right, and uh, if you have a question for Steph, go ahead post that in the comments or in the chat right now. We're going to get to as many as we can here today. Let's stuff that dietitian's mailbag before we get to the five to avoid. Though one more, this one from Superfood Parents at twelve oh nine says: In addition to naming these five best bee foods, is there a certain preparation that makes them even more nutritious? So we're talking steaming versus air frying or boiling, for example. We talked about not adding fat to it, but what about the actual cooking? process? So the cooking process versus steaming and boiling, those are going to break down some of that fiber. And so you will have, it's almost pre-digesting your food. And so there will be lower fibers. You will get a little bit of a higher rise in your blood glucose because you're going to be digesting a little faster than you would if you ate a raw piece of celery, right? Cooked celery versus raw celery or cooked versus a broccoli versus raw broccoli, but you're still not going to see the crazy high spikes that you would um, if you're consuming other kind of highly processed foods. But I will say with frying, that's a different story, right? So frying, if, or I guess it says air frying. So air frying, you, you definitely can do use all those different cooking methods, but you will be kind of pre-digesting, breaking down a little bit of those fibers, which for some people, they need that. They have sensitive teeth. I know older individuals, 
chewing can become an issue. So I would rather, you know, you, you know, you can cook these five foods and they're going to be just as healthy for you. There just would be a little bit more of that uh, tough fiber, that insoluble fiber, if you didn't cook them with those different methods. Right Let's do a quick roll call before we move on. The exam roomy roll call. We got people all over the world tuning in and just soaking up this information, raising their health IQ stuff. Uh, Roxanne is joining us from the Netherlands. We have Garden of the Warrior from Kentucky. We've got Lee in Lubbock, Texas. Ah, that's alliterative. I like that. Lee in Lubbock. Uh, we've got Jennifer in Peoria, Arizona. Sharina in USA, North America. Thanks for clarifying that. Cool. Oh, here we go. Tanju is joining us from Tasmania, Australia. I would love, 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 love to do an episode of The Exam Room in Australia. That would be absolutely phenomenal. Tracy is watching in Uganda. Sheila is in Tennessee. Do you ever just get a kick out of the fact that we reach so many people through the Physicians Committee all around the world, Steph? It's crazy. It, it, it blows my mind. It's And it's all because of you, Chuck. You are an amazing host and you are just so gracious and such a like amazing person, you know, in front of the camera and off. So everyone's here because you, you've made it such a good show. And um, I will be at that show in Australia. I'll just say that. <laughs> can, I, can I come? <laughs> all are welcome. All are welcome. But this is this is not for me. I do this show for everybody else. I'm just living out a dream. And I want to say hi also to Trisha Crisp, who's watching in Ontario. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be up in Ontario, Toronto, uh, next month, the end of March, actually, uh, for the Planted Expo. And I'll actually be doing an episode of The Exam Room Live with Dr. Michael Greger. So there's some big scoop there. Uh, there you go, breaking a little bit more news. So stay tuned for details for that so you can join us live up in Toronto at the end of March. All right, so we've got our five best. Now let's do some damage. What are the killer bees for A1C, <laughs> Steph? What's number one on your list here? And are they even bees or am I just making an assumption here? Um, they, they don't all start with B. I really tried, but <laughs> I love that you just called them killer, killer bees. I, I just love that. So, um, we're gonna, we're gonna get into it. And right off the bat, um, number one to leave off your plate is going to be animal products. I know, um, that's a big, that's a wide range, but, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that fat accumulation within the muscle cells can lead to insulin resistance and lead to diabetes and animal products from meat to milk, to eggs, they all have higher amounts of fat compared to plants. So even the leanest, you know, chicken breast is about, has about 23% of its calories from fat. And like a white tuna, a white tuna has about 20% of its calories from fat. And you compare that to eating apples, lentils, beans, even rice and potatoes, they all have less than 5% of their calories from fat. And plus they have all those, uh, they're high in fiber and all those antioxidants and all those other healthy properties. So it really, I know this is kind of a big, very wide range, but I'm going to say either avoid or limit as much as possible to animal products. Um, research shows that people that who avoid animal products are found to have less fat in their cells and ha are much are at much less risk of developing diabetes. Good to and know. Plant based. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go. I thought I thought that we were at a stopping point. That's all right. You go right ahead. Keep bestowing the information on us. Yeah, there's actually a lot of research pointing towards this, and I was going to go through a, a few of them. 
Um, so plant-based diets improve insulin sensitivity um, in part by reducing the amount of fat. We kind of just talked about that. Uh, and in the Adventist Health Study 2, it showed that an omnivore omnivist, om, omnivorous diet, if I can say that correctly, was associated with roughly double the risk of diabetes compared to those emitting animal products. So that was kind of a big one. There's also a research study um, out of Harvard School of Public Health that um, stated each serving of processed meat a day was associated with a 46% risk of developing type 2 diabetes, and each serving of just red meat, just um, regular meat, was associated with 24% of higher risk. Um, Harvard also did another study that pointed towards fish bringing up higher risk. Um, And it's not just the fat, the protein in animal products as well. Um, There's been studies that show uh, individuals that eat large amount of animal protein have a higher risk of diabetes as well. So I'm going to just put that one out there as number one. Just, I mean, that's a, that is a pretty broad one, but you know what? It's so true for so many reasons, not to mention also the association with so many other chronic illnesses. She's talk about processed meat right away. My mind goes to colorectal cancer, you know, um, I mean, my goodness gracious. All right, so that is number one. But Steph, we've got four to go. What's number two on the list? So we talked about, you know, the root cause of diabetes being fat accumulation in the cells. And and we also talked about how animal products are higher in fat. Well, there are plant foods that are high in fat. So number two on my list is actually coconut, coconut oil, coconut products. Although it's a plant-based food, it's 80 to 90% fat. And it's also saturated fat, which is kind of the inflammatory fat that has been linked to heart disease and stroke and other chronic diseases. So I recommend avoiding all, you know, not only coconut oil, but coconut products. So some individuals might say, you know, it's a whole food. I'm just having the shavings of coconut or I'm just eating the meat of coconut. Even the, even coconut meat is 89% saturated fat. And researchers have linked saturated fat to the onset of type 2 diabetes. And so it's just, I, I, I know that we, talk, we talked about animal products, but there are plant-based foods or vegan foods that also contribute, contribute to di, uh, diabetes and high A1Cs. Uh, Adeline here, filling up the dietitian's mailbag. This one just came in right now at 1230. Is topical use of coconut okay? So maybe to soothe the skin. A lot of people, though, they're worried about osmosis and it just seeping in and doing damage that way. What are your thoughts? I think on your skin, um, coconut oil is, is, is oil. It can create like a barrier if you do have some dry skin, just kind of how Vaseline does. So um, for me, coconut oil is okay to use on your in your hair or on your skin. You so just don't don't eat it. <laughs> do, do, do you put a little in the hair for a little bit of shine and that <laughs> tropical smell? I think I think people have put it on their hair to like let it sit and soak in a little bit of moisture, like almost like a mask for their mm. hair, like a deep a deep conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I would rather do that than I know back in the day, my mom would tell me that they would put mayonnaise in their hair and that would act as some sort of a conditioner. And I just, I could not get on board with that plan at all. It just seemed like, no, no, just so no, 
No. Has anybody yeah. else? I'm just curious, just for grins, anybody who's watching right now, has anybody else ever heard that? Because I just think that that is gross with a capital G. Anyway, let's move on to number three and forget about mayonnaise in the hair. Sorry for that crazy random aside. I'm just saying number three on the list is what? That is wild. I've never heard of that. It's so, so bad. It's to... so bad. <laughs> um, number three is going to be just vegetable oils or oils in in general, right? Added oils. Um, so even if they're not animal oils like lard or butter, even oils can contribute to raising our A1C. Uh, if you're trying to keep, you know, you're trying to get rid of that fat in your cells, you're trying to keep your overall fat very low, added oils, even from vegetables, is going to just really bump up your your total for the day of, of fats. And if what do you oil is a hundred percent fat. You take an olive or or peanut, you squeeze out every last drop of fat, and then you're using that in a myriad of different ways. Also, you know, if you're trying to keep your total fat low, oils are very pervasive. In, in the diet. Um, you know, they're in fried foods, they're in salad dressing, they're in pr- packaged foods, they're in frying, baking, roasting. So they can add up pretty, even if you don't think you're consuming oils, they can add up pretty quickly and your total fat for the day can add up pretty quickly. So I just want to, I wanted to put this on the list to have everyone be aware that oils is something that you should probably leave off your plate for, for, you know, to keep your, your insulin uh, sensitivity very sharp. All right. But the question has to be asked then because there is very much a mixed bag of research when it comes to olive oil in particular. A lot of people think that olive oil is very much at the very least a heart healthy food uh, and that it carries a lot of other health benefits as well. Um, obviously lots of fat in there, but specific to A1C numbers, what do we know about olive oil? Yeah. So really all oil is, all of them are 100% fat. Now there are different percentages of saturated fat versus monounsaturated and polyunsaturated, different types of fats. And um, there is some research that shows kind of monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats. There's some health benefits. But when we're talking about insulin resistance, which is fat accumulation in our cells, we really want to keep our total number as our total for the day of fat as low as possible. And when you're having a tablespoon here, you're drizzling here, you're having way more than you even think you're having. And, and that will actually outweigh any benefits that you may be getting from the polyphenols in olive oil. So, you know, there has been a few studies that show some benefits um, from olive oil and maybe a few of the other oils, the polyunsaturated oils. But when you're having so much and it's in everything that you're consuming, it is definitely going to still contribute to insulin resistance. All right. Uh, Really quickly, jumping back to the mayonnaise debate. A lot of people say, yeah, they've heard of that. They've tried it and it works. And I'm (laughs) just not going to budge, though. I still think it's gross and there are better ways to condition your hair, people. There just have to be better ways to condition your hair. Carla, by the way, says that it is good as a deep conditioner, but you wash it out. It is not a leave-in conditioner, right? So don't don't load up on Hellman's and then leave your front door. Like, no, 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 no. Get it out. I I feel like that would clog the drain. I feel like... 
I feel like, like it would just clog everything. There's no good that can come from mayonnaise in your hair, Steph. There's just no good. There's just, oh my goodness gracious. All right, number four on the list. What do you have for us? So number four is kind of intuitive. It is processed sweets. It is the cookies, the donuts, the cakes, the Twinkies, the snack pastries. And, you know, when we think about blood glucose, those foods ha- are have very refined sugars in them and they are going to spike your blood gr- glucose high. But what they also had in these cookies and sweets is a ton of fat, right? Cookies come with butter. Cakes come with a cup of oil. And that is going to raise your A1C. That's going to, you know, in the long run, cause more insulin resistance. So kind of this is a twofold. It's the kind of this added sugar that we don't need. Um, Not that glucose is a bad thing, right? We talked about this before, that healthy carbohydrates, they get broken down into sugar and and go into our our, our blood for transportation to our muscle cells. But these processed sweets, is this high glycemic index sugar that's just spiking our our blood glucose so it you know it kind of hurts in that aspect and then it's also adding all this fat with it so um processed sweets is going to be my number 4 Right. And there's a big difference between like the processed kind of brownies that you would get and, you know, these, these you know, just mixes at the store or the pre-bought or pre-made ones that you can buy right away. But then also on our website, pcrm.org slash recipes, there are some amazing whole food brownie recipes there. There are these raspberry fudgy brownies that were introduced to me very early on in the exam room's existence that I think are just amazing. And man, let me tell you, these things have black beans in them too. So you know they're working for you. So when somebody tells you that you can't eat the foods that you love while still eating a healthy diet, say, no, 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 you absolutely can. Here's just a recipe to make your favorite foods as healthy as humanly possible so they can work for you instead of against you. I love that. I say it so often, but I absolutely adore that about eating this way, the creativity that comes with it. You never have to go without, Steph. You never have to go without. Exactly. Black bean brownies are so delicious. And because they have the black beans in them, they're going to actually um, really blunt that uh, glucose spike. And then remember what we said, beans, they're healthy the next the next day. They're going to keep that blood uh, glucose staying steady a steady rise and steady fall. So um, I'm all on board for the black bean brownies. Choo-choo, climb on board. I should have made that one of my my five. Dense (laughs) as anything, man. I mean, super dense. Those things are heavy. They're, man. It's like you put it in your hand and your arm just falls. It's amazing how heavy those things are. So good. All right, so we've got all animal products. We've got coconut. We've got oils. We've got processed sweets. Bring us home with number five on the foods that jack up the A1C list. So number five is probably everyone knows as well, it's sugar-sweetened beverages. So there actually was a study in 2015 that um, saw that daily a daily serving of sugar-sweetened beverages was associated with about a 13% higher risk of developing diabetes. So this is your sodas, your juices, your teas that are, have all this added sugar in them. And although glucose is kind of an important fuel for the body, Really, we don't need added sugars, and it's just adding to kind of that chronic high blood glucose level, which we don't need. And you can actually consume large amounts of sugars by drinking it, and that can lead to weight gain just because you are consuming X amount of sugar and calories. 
Um, so sugar sweetened beverages is going to be my my number five to to stay away from if you're uh, if you are trying to lower your A one C. Right on sugar sweetened beverage. This is all right. So now there are some foods that the exam roomies are kind of also wondering about why they may have been omitted from the list. Uh, let's start with Liz Kelly, 1239, watching right now on Facebook. She's wondering about what about nuts and seed butters, uh, particularly tahini, which is found in a lot of hummus, by the way. So those are definitely high in fat. Why didn't they make your five list? Yeah, so for exactly that reason, if you are trying to lower your A1C, you are going to want to avoid nut and seed butters. They are, if you think about it, there's 17 grams of fat in one tablespoon of peanut butter, right? And we want to keep our total for the day, you know, between 20 and 30 grams. Now, this is if you're actively trying to lower your A1C. And so nut butters are not going to be your friend in that case. Now, a handful of nuts or maybe a tablespoon of chia seeds, that is something okay. That's not probably, that's not going to throw you into, uh, insulin resistance. But these nut butters, if you already have a high fat, a lot of fat in your diet, they are not going to be your friend. And you just want to kind of reduce them as much as you can. Now, I know hummus has some tahini. So just look for hummus that has the lower amount of of total fat, because then you know that the tahini and the, and the seed butter that's in there, they're not putting too much in there for it for you. Right on. Uh, let me ask you about this. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, TG at twelve forty one just wrote in. I love this. All caps here. Check. I finally tried the peanuts, dark chocolate, and dates candy bar thing. That was introduced to us by Dr. Will Bolsowitz. He said, "Look, you split it. You put a little bit of uh, dark chocolate chips in there with some peanuts, and it tastes just like a Snickers bar." The man wasn't lying. Um, again, there's some fat there because of the peanut content. But if somebody's looking to lower their A one C, would that get the thumbs up or thumbs down from you? So was that peanut butter or? No, just straight dry straight roasted, unsalted peanuts. So peanuts, you know, they have tons of fiber in them. And if you're only having, you know, you're having one or two of those little snicker bites, then I would say it's not going to harm you. But it doesn't, that wouldn't, peanuts don't make my my foods to eat list, my best foods to eat list. But peanuts, you know, they are not going to be on the, there's plenty of foods that are are worse off for insulin uh, sensitivity. So I would give that one, if that's what's going to be your sweet, whole dry roasted or dry roasted peanuts have tons of fiber and other nutrients in it as well. So I would give that one a thumbs up, but it might not make my top five. All right, let's see if we can get a couple of other quickies here. Uh, Logan at 1234 is wondering, uh, because now we've brought fat into the conversation a lot today, what about making sure that we're getting enough healthy fats for brain health? So what are some good options for us there that won't necessarily make our A1C fluctuate in a way that we don't want? So yes, there are some studies that show DHA and EPA, which are types of fats, omega-3s, that they're showing some benefits to brain health, but really we don't need that much. And you can actually get omega-3s from green leafy vegetables and, and other vegetables. You can also find plant-based sources um, of omega-3s in chia seeds, flax seeds, and walnuts. Now, remember I said, you know, we want to keep those at a minimum. So maybe a tablespoon a day would get you over the RDA for omega-3s uh, for the day. And if that's if you feel like that's something you want to 
to do for your brain health, then I say, you know, thumbs up one tablespoon of flaxseed or chia seeds. Um, you can do that. You can also see your doctor and see if your DHA and EPA is low. And if it's low, maybe you take a, a an algae supplement, so a plant-based omega-3 supplement. But as you see them, being they're tiny, you know, it's not the same as drizzling olive oil. Oh, I'm drizzling olive oil all over my salad because I need my omega-3s. So, you know, if you work with your doctor, if they say, you know, you have low uh, DHA or EPA in your blood and, and you feel like you want to take um, an algae supplement, then that's fine. If you want to get it through whole foods, you can take a tablespoon of flax or chia seed. That's going to get you to the RDA for the day. All right. And Philip is looking for clarity on the sugar-sweetened beverages, wondering whether you're talking about both diet and regular sodas here? So diet sodas are not going to spike your glucose, right? And they're also not going to be counted as total calories for the day. But the research is coming out, um, especially last summer, the World Health Organization came out with, they actually saw that individuals who chose diet soda over regular soda it did not improve their diabetes risk. It did not improve their chronic, their obesity or other chronic diseases. So the World Health Organization actually came out, you know, against the sugar sweet, the the diet and the artificial sweeteners. So I kind of go along with that. It's, it's like, okay, you might not be spiking your blood glucose, but we actually see in other studies that that kind of ricochets and people end up craving more sweets at the end of the day or later in the day when they've had a Diet Coke and their body didn't get the sugar that it thought it was getting when it tasted sweet foods. So um, I would say avoid all soda, whether it's regular or diet. What about just plain sparkling water like a Perrier? I know that uh, Dr. Neil Barnard is very big on Perrier, just plain sparkling water. Sparkling water gets a thumbs up. I think water is like the best... Uh, liquid you can you can drink other than maybe some green tea but uh sparkling water that's good to go thank you again to steph mcburnett for her time today and of course she will also be at the international conference on nutrition and medicine this august as will this guy chef dustin harder he is actually going to be there hosting a cooking challenge so let's get into these breaking details. And if you're a doctor or a chef who happens to work in the hospital, this one is definitely for you. Thanks for being here. Hey, Chuck, thanks for having me. It's great to see you. I'm pumped about this because when you said, hey, Chuck, we're doing this at ICNM, I couldn't think of a better game show host to do this. You're a chef. You're a guy that's got personality and energy for days. And what's going to happen is just going to be pure, healthy magic. Tell us about what's coming up. I can't wait. It's so funny you say that because I'm envisioning myself just running around the ballroom the whole night of the live competition, just trying to get it all, get it all documented for everybody and tell the story of these great chefs. We've got applications are open for the Healthy Hospital Chef Challenge. We're encouraging all uh, food service workers in, healthcare, in the healthcare arena to apply. That's who's eligible. And you have a chance to win $6,000 at this. So we have a whole review committee reviewing the recipes and we're testing the recipes as we get the submissions in. And then we'll pick the top three from there and they're going to compete live Thursday night at ICNM this year in August, in August on August 15th. We can't wait. 
Man, so you okay? So let's talk qualifications here. This is very exciting. August fifteenth is the big night. That's going to kick off the conference this year. Uh, but what are the qualifications? I'm assuming uh, obviously they have to work in a hospital as a chef. What other kind of criteria are we looking for? So you have to work, as you said, in the hospital, in a healthcare facility, in the food service arena, and the recipe has to meet some requirements in the nutritional analysis field. So that's all listed in the rules and guidelines on the website for that. You can get the specifics of how much fat for the fat content, the sugar, all that sort of stuff like that, so you can reel the recipe in. And we're looking for an entree recipe, essentially, something you could serve in a hospital, but also something that wows the crowd. Uh, and and they can use a whole host of produce and veggies or tofu and tempeh, all of the good, good plant-based items that we know and love. This is a plant-based competition, of course. So we're really excited to see the plant-based offerings that these chefs can bring to the table. And I think that it's really important. It's not that we just want to bring healthier foods to the hospital. I mean, there's a genuine need for this. This isn't just created because we want to have some fun at ICNM, which of course we do. But if you look at the menus that are being served right now at the hospitals, it's really like, this is the same stuff that really brought a lot of these people to the hospital in the first place, Dustin. Yep, absolutely. And these chefs are at the forefront. They are the leadership bringing plant-based, patient-centered care to these hospitals. So we want to celebrate them. We want to highlight the good work that they're doing within the healthcare field. It's a very difficult field to navigate getting plant-based options on the menu, as you know, which is so mind-blowing still to us, right? But it is a difficult arena to get plant-based options on the menu. And these chefs are really putting up the good fight to do that. So we want to celebrate what they're doing in their communities, and we want to share it with the world, essentially. So if I were a chef, what I would think is that I would take a look at the menu and I would try to identify what are the what are the items that the patients are ordering the most? And let's just say, you know, it's a ham and cheese sandwich with French fries. Would you be open to somebody creating a healthier version of a sandwich with maybe some baked fries like that? So it's it's again kind of tweaking fan favorites, but just giving them healthier versions. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think we're looking for you could you could give us a sandwich, but is it going to win is the question because we're looking for that innovation too. So what is something that's easily accessible to a hospital, but maybe is going to elevate the dish just a little bit to make our awesome judges panel just be wowed by what they're offering at the competition do because it is a competition at the end of the day. So they could take that and they could do a plant-based version of that ham sandwich, but what are they going to do as the wow factor for it to elevate it as well? Mm. And who are the judges? Because if there's an open seat, I would just love to throw my name in there. <laughs> We've got Brooklyn Palmer, Dr. Brooklyn Palmer joining us. So she's in preventative care and she runs uh, uh, Beats by Brooklyn on Instagram. Of course, she's fabulous. And she's going to be talking all about the preventative quanti- qualities of ingredients that are being used. We've got Chef Emmett McDonough, who runs culinary development with NYC Health and Hospitals, and they've had plant-based options on their menus for quite some time now. So he's really bringing his expertise in the plant-based world to the judges' table. And we have Sean, Chef Sean Medajevich. He's from the Institute of Culinary Education. So we're actually partnering in this competition with the Institute of Culinary Education to really bring that culinary prowess to the table as well. They've got a great plant-based course that they do at the Institute of Culinary Education. And uh, Chef Sean's going to be there to enlighten us on why plants are important, of course, too. 
And I'm just saying, I may add a fourth chair. I'm. It just. It just hey, might have to you're, happen. You'll be there if you're there. You know you're getting fed. You're part of the family. I mean, come on. This, I mean, it's it's just got to happen. Uh, so here's the deal. Uh, you get the $6,000. I think it's also important to note that uh, continuing education credits are available here, too, for those who need it. That's a biggie. Well, that's great. Let's also talk about what the attendees get, right? So when they come to the competition, they're getting a reception hour where they get to network. They're going to get some past hors d'oeuvres. They're going to get a swag bag. They're going to get some wellness mocktails. But all through the night, they're also getting that uh, continuing edu education credit as well. And they're getting that because we're making this entertaining, but we're also making it educational. I have a guest host with me, Lillian Correa, also from NYC Health and Hospitals. She's a registered dietitian. She's going to be breaking down those three recipes and telling us why they're healthy, why they're great for a hospital menu, and why every hospital should put them on their menu ultimately. So we've got chefs cooking it up, cooking it up, wowing us away with what they're doing. We've got a registered dietitian breaking down the health benefits and our awesome judges panel really sharing with the audience different ways they can implement certain things within their institution as well. So we just have a really well-rounded event for the attendees to get a look into the future and see how they can uh, uplift and celebrate their communities from wherever they're coming from as well. And it's really easy. Tickets are on sale right now. PCRM.org slash ICNM to reserve your seat. There's also a link in the episode notes. Or when you go there as well, you can register to sign up to apply to be part of this challenge. If you are a chef and you work in a hospital or a medical setting, I mean, this is the contest of all contests. You want to apply, you can do that. Just click on right at the top. Let me go ahead and add this back into the thing. So you can see when you go to the ICNM page, this is what you'll see. And then right there on the menu, you see Chef Challenge. You just click on that, boom, and it takes you to Healthy Hospital Chef Challenge. You scroll right on down and Dustin right there, apply to compete. Apply to compete. And I wanna say too, if, you know, if you're listening and you know someone you think would be perfect for this challenge, please make sure they get this information. We want everybody to have the opportunity to compete. It's a great cash prize, 6,000 for first place. 2,500 for second place, uh, 1,000 for first place. So every one of the contestants, no one's going home empty-handed, essentially. And the first prize winner also gets a feature in uh, Physicians Committee Good Medicine. They're going to get a continuing education uh, plant-based course from ICE of their choosing. So they get to continue their plant-based education. And they also get a lunch, a plant-based lunch for a, their staff of up to 25 people if they win. So we really want people to come out and have fun and compete and battle it out for these great prizes. So share it with everyone you know. We're going to put them in our magazine, Good Medicine. That's awesome. Heck yeah, we got to celebrate the good stuff they're doing. And the lunch. And the I might have to crash that party too. All <laughs> right, you're giving me lunch. ideas. <laughs> Chef Dustin Harder, can't wait to see you at ICNM. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. Oh, it is going to be such a good time. It always is. PCRM.org slash ICNM to get your seats today. There is a huge lineup of speakers already announced, led by Dr. Dean Ornish. Also, our friends, Drs. Gemma Newman and Alan Desmond from the UK, they're going to be coming over for the conference, as will Richard Horton, who is the editor-in-chief of The Lancet, plus Dr. Veggie, Ted Barnett, a recent guest of the show. 
show, and former president of the Navajo Nation, Jonathan Nez, will be with us as well. And you can be too. PCRM.org slash ICNM for tickets. Early discount rates are available, so act now to save your seat. PCRM.org slash ICNM, or click that link in the episode notes. And yes, I am still lobbying to get on the judges panel for that night. I gotta get up there. I gotta throw my two cents in for these delicious dishes. Just gonna be incredible. So I'm really thrilled that Chef Dustin is gonna be doing this cooking challenge. That's so cool. Plus a $6,000 prize, are you kidding me? That's so, so fantastic. I wanna say hi, while we have time, to an exam roomie by the name of whoop de doo or at least that's the name that they have on Apple Podcast. whoop de doo left a five-star rating and a nice review, which helps us here at the exam room grow and reach people who are aspiring for change, people who want to improve their health. And so whoop de doo they wrote in this review, the headline reads, Great Inspirational Stories. Quote, I love this podcast and have been listening for a couple of years now. I've learned so much and it keeps me inspired to stick with this lifestyle. Keep up the great work and thank you. Well, thank you, whoop-de-doo. We appreciate you, my friend. And thank you for taking a moment to write in and help us out. And if you want to help improve the health of the world, help improve the health of somebody who's struggling, who feels lost, it only takes a minute to do this. Head over to Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows, subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee or follow it, and leave a kind word and a five-star review right there. Right in the review box, that's where you can leave a kind word about the show, how it's helped you, how it's inspired you, how it's helped to raise your health IQ. That goes such a long way to help out the next person who wants to lead a healthier life. So whoop de doo thank you. You win exam roomie of the day, my friend. Thank you so very much for listening. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to my friends, Steph McBurnett, registered dietitian extraordinaire, and the vegan roadie, Chef Dustin Harder for being here and helping to raise our health IQs. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. Plant-based.